the night of love in this tender discourse between Christ and his 11 disciples continues with a warning about hatred. The teaching of Christ, the warm message of love to Christ now takes a bit of a turn and we know from John 17, which is a, a great chapter, God willing, we'll get there someday. But John 17 in Christ's prayer in Gethsemane, that prayer teaches us that what he is saying to his disciples includes us, that is all believers who will follow So in taking this turn of direction, Christ says in such a tender moment of talking about how deep the love is that he has for us, he then says to them, the world will hate you. So here we go in John 15, beginning in verse uh, 18. And the, a, the Greek word is a conditional that rests upon an assumption. And in this case, it's the assumption of a positive answer. In other words, yes, the world will hate you. So you could also translate it since, if or since the world hates you. Now look, cosmos, see that up there? We've talked about that word before. It, it means an orderly system, an arrangement of things. In the New Testament, especially here from the teaching of Christ, the teaching is that the world, the ordered system of the world, the arrangement of things in the world, the world, the arrangement of things, things, you need to get this as a Christian, and I think you probably do, and we'll begin to feel it more and more in this culture. Things are arranged against those who are in Christ. The world is organized to hate Christ and his own. The whole world. If you step outside the New Testament church, in the due course of time, you will face nothing but hostility because you're a Christian. If you are a born again, bought by the blood, spirit, baptized, Bible-believing Christian, the world will be hostile to you because the world loves its sin. We come with this message of hope and love and salvation and the world hates it because they love their sin. Infused with the spirit of God, saved by the blood of Christ, called to Christ by the Father himself, 
places us in the church and with the spirit within us, we must oppose this system. Otherwise, we're traitors. We're not what we claim to be if we don't stand up to this system. This system is taking over our culture today because so-called Christians have cowardly retreated. They hate you if you're in Christ. They may hate you with a smile and they may have a dozen or more ways to hate you, but they hate you. They are hostile to you because they love their sin. Since the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before you. Now, let me stop here. In the, in the Greek text, please, this, to me, it's important. I, since I'm the one up here. <laughs> Hates. Missy, Missy, Missy. Hates. It's in the, it's in the, what's called the present active. What that means is it's ongoing. It never stops. And the world produces it from within itself. The subject produces the action. And it never stops. The world presently, as long as the church is in the world, as long as we're here and Paul writes to the Thessalonians and references the presence of the church, the work of the church, the spirit in the church, he calls it the restrainer. As long as we are here in this world system, the world will not stop hating us. Our kingdom, our king, they're not of this world. It's another king. It's another kingdom. It's the coming kingdom. It's a great theme of the scripture, the kingdom that will come and be in this world, on this earth with Christ. No wonder the sage of the Old Testament says that we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem because then Christ is on the throne and rules. There'll be no peace in Jerusalem. There won't be any peace in the world. As long as the world system exists. So in the present, in the present active, the world can't help itself. The God of this world, the prince of this world is in charge. And we'll learn a little something about him too in just a second. In the language that's used. It has hated me. All right, now here. Here, we inject the deity, God the Son. You see this now? Hates, the world hates you. That's in the, that's in the present active, which means it never will stop in the present order of things. It's always there. And the world does this from within itself. It's in the active. Now, it has hated. You see that? And from there over here, it's memiskin. Memiskin. That's in the, stay with me. That's in the 
perfect active. That's different from the present active. Okay, here's the teaching. The teaching is when it comes to the deity, when it comes to Christ, when it comes to Almighty God. The order and arrangement of the world, antichrist, if you want to call it that, is an action that happened at a point, a past action that happened at a point in time, and it has continuing results. That's in the perfect. So you see, it deals with God, the Godhead. It deals with Christ specifically. So here's what we're being taught. Christ says there was a rebellion in the point of time and they totally rejected me, my rulership. They totally rejected, that's a third of the angels, right? They totally rejected me at a point in time and that hatred has continuing results and it will have continuing results until at last Satan and his demons are cast into the lake of fire. So now it's with Christ. Christ is saying they turned on me at a point in time. That's, a, that's something we have a difficult, we, we, we don't know so much about that. That was way back before the universe as we understand it or the order of things anyway. And in that rebellion, the root of it was the rejection of God. They rejected God. We'll see that again here in, in, in the slides, in the text. So what we face as Christians is exactly what Christ faced at the great rebellion of, of Daystar and his demons, his angels that are fallen angels. You have the elect angels, you have the fallen angels. Two of the three are the elect, one of the three, one out of every three are fallen. They hate God. They hate God the Father, they hate God the Son, and they hate God the Holy Spirit. They hate God. Thus, remember in his fall, Satan was described as perfect in wisdom and beauty. And in this perfection that becomes distorted, filled with his hatred and rejection of God, he immediately arranges his fallen angels and then the world in which we live, all of that is arranged and organized against God and his own. You read the Old Testament, there's Israel, they're the elect of God, they're called out of the rest of the nations and God's presence is with them then in the tabernacle later on in the temple and all of the nations hate them. And they're at war all the time because the nations hate them. We're going through the book of Numbers. I forget what night. Sunday nights. It'll be tonight. It's one of these nights. And the book of Numbers is really an illustration 
of warfare in the world and God's people at war, organized for war. Thus, we're in a spiritual battle. We're never out of it as long as we're in this world because the prince of power of the air, the God of this age, he has organized everything against us. I don't care what it is. Liberal churches are organized against us. Academia, schools are organized against us. Governments are organized against us. Governments on every level. Every, every organized corporation, eventually, it's in the world system. If it's not part of the church, it comes under the world. And the world's job is to hate God and his Christ and destroy his own. They hate us. This is his teaching to the disciples. You're going to go out into the world. And the world will hate you always. We're not trying to sweeten up the world by taking the church into the world. We're trying to deliver the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ that they may repent and come out of the world and into Christ. You can't you can't dilly-dally with the world. You stand firm in the gospel, firm in the word of God, firm as a Christian wherever God has placed you. And we cannot compromise, though it costs us everything. It costs Christ everything. He says, let me tell you why they hate you. Because way back they hated me. And when that hatred was exposed, it has continuing results and it'll keep going until finally they're all cast into the lake of fire. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. You know, it's a little dangerous. No, it's extremely dangerous to have friendship with the world. In Christ, there's a life we cannot live, places we cannot go, things we cannot say or do. We are in Christ. We're not perfect. We stumble. Satan masterfully plants traps. Lust, when it is conceived, bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That's, that's a picture of procreation. In, in a sense, there's something that swells up in my heart and Satan knows it and he lays a trap for me and I have to walk circumspectly. I have to walk carefully through this life. There is a trap everywhere for me. But in the all, you see, we live a life of repentance. We all have to. A life of confession and repentance. And the difference between us and the world is that the world doesn't feel any conviction of its sin. They love the sin. They don't hate it. They love it. In the world, they love to produce sin. They love to produce sinful things. No wonder the internet was so spoiled within the first few years or even less than that. And that the message, and, and that the message of Christ so often 
on the internet is canceled. They won't let you have it out, you know, but they'll let all this other awful stuff pass through. Well, that's the world. We can't expect friendship from the world. The world hates us, hates Christ, hates the gospel of Christ. If the world loved you, then you would be one of its own, but you're not, which is proof that you're in Christ, you see. However, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Because of this, the world hates you. The world hates you in Christ because Christ has taken you out of the world. It is an unmistakable mark and characteristic of the true Christian. He is not part of the world. He doesn't join in the world's arrangement of things to despise God, to despise God and his Christ, to withhold the gospel, to veil the truth or withhold the truth, to participate in anything that is anti-Christ and ungodly. That's not us. We're not of the world because Christ chose us out of the world. And because of this, Christ says, the world hates you. There it is again in the present active. It keeps going and never stops. And the world's job in the active, it means that the subject is responsible for the action. And the subject in this case is the world. The world is producing its hatred to those who are in Christ. It'll keep up like this until Christ comes again. And establishes his kingdom. It'll keep up. It won't stop. And for us who are in Christ, we find in these present days, even in our culture, it's getting worse. They attack our children. The world attacks our children. It attacks our integrity. It attacks who we are. There's such delusion and deception and lies, and they're coming from everywhere, and it confuses people. But if we're grounded in the Word of God, which is absolute truth, we won't be confused. We'll know if we stand upon the truth. Well, next, Christ says to his 11, and thus to us, they will treat us like they treated Christ. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. I left an H out. His master. If they pursue, persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Okay, there's a little ray of hope here. It's not a universal thing. You know, okay, well, wow. You remember in the Old Testament, God sent the prophet out. He said, I'm going to have to send you out and you're going to have to do what, this, what I tell you to do. And they're going to hate you for it. They're going to half kill you. <laughs> but you got to go anyway. Our commission is not quite that harsh. 
There are those who will respond because God has them. They're everywhere. And our job is to preach the gospel everywhere. And God will use that to speak to those whom are his own, who are his own and draw them to himself. He says, look, in my time here, he's, he's had, he's just a few little hours from the cross. You know, there were those who kept my word here. And when I send you out, they'll keep yours as well. You'll always have success. <laughs> you won't, you won't reach them all. The world system is strong. But there are those who will come. Remember what the Lord said to the Apostle Paul when he sent him, was it to Ephesus? He sent him, he said, I have many people in that city. The thing was, the apostle had to go and preach the gospel. God would use all that to call his own to himself. And a church was formed. Well, this is the promise. If we are faithful to the Great Commission, if we are faithful to the gospel, to preach it and to teach it, there will always be those who will keep, guard, protect, respond to the word of those who go out, the testimony of those who go out. The world hates us because the world does not know God. Now, I suppose in history there's been a lot of what? Uh, monotheism, worshiping one God. But that doesn't mean it's the true and living God. Christ continues and he says, but they will do all these things against you because of my name. My name. The world gets away with mistreating Christians in the church. Because our God has promised to avenge his people himself at the appointed time. And we trust that. We also trust that the power of our, of our love for the world, the power of the gospel, will speak and it will have its appointed results according to the power of God. But the persecution comes because of the name of Christ. The apostle Paul and his companions go on the missionary journeys and what stirs the world up more than anything, preaching in the name of Christ. On the day of Pentecost and just shortly afterward, what was the warning from the Jewish leadership to the, to the apostles who were preaching, Peter and John, to what they were preaching in Jerusalem? You go out, you do what you want to do, but just do not preach in this name. The name from overflowing from the heart of a believer, testifying to the name of Christ, to the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus in the New Testament is Jesus, Yeshua in the Old Testament. It is the final name of Yahweh in the Bible. Now you go through the Old Testament, you have all these different names of Yahweh. Yahweh saves, Yahweh of banners, Yahweh of armies, Yahweh this, Yahweh. All the way through, you have these, you have these names 
that describe the characteristics that are needed, the attributes that are needed by his people at that time. They need a great standard to march by, Yahweh of banners. They, they need a shepherd, Yahweh my shepherd, all the way through. But the last name of Yahweh in the Bible comes to rest in Jesus. Yeshua or Jesus, and it means Yahweh Savior or Yahweh saves. Saves, Yahweh Savior. So we preach salvation. And it can only be found in the name of Christ. The name that is above every name. Only Jesus can save this world. Only Jesus will finally come back in power and in glory. And rule and reign and be the king of kings. Only Jesus will finally call the present order of things to an end. And it will finally meet its destruction as the great white throne is established. And then what? A new heaven and a new earth where Christ is still king. Only Jesus. You won't find any other so-called savior. Only Jesus. So they do these things against us because of his name. Why? Because they have not known the one sending me. Now there it is again in the perfect active. This will tell you something about how, how sin came into the angels. It's, it's a deep study. We're not going to go there completely. But here what Jesus says, he says... In the perfect active, which means, as I said a while ago, it's a past action that happened in time that has continuing results, and those results never stop. So this, this would take us back to the time that they not only rebelled against Jesus, as he said earlier, and we looked at it, but here against the Father. So it's, a, it's an action against Almighty God, the Godhead, Almighty God. They refused... Those who rebelled in heaven refused to acknowledge the authority of God over them. That's what that means in the language that's given. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have had sin. However, now they have no excuse for their sin. Back into time and space. The world loves sin. Christ came as a perfect man. No sin at all. Never sinned. He was without Sin. And without sin, he preached and taught. He preached to and taught the people that they needed salvation that only he could provide. Only he could be offered as a sinless sacrifice, the Lamb of God. Only he. 
and none other. So first, he teaches the hopelessness of the human condition. The law can't save us. Our ancestors can't save us. Other gods and goddesses cannot save us. Only Christ and only Christ, sinless Christ, could truthfully preach about and reveal the sin of the world. Christ says, if I hadn't done that, they would have had no sin. They wouldn't have understood. But now they have no excuse for their sin. In, in Christ's day, in the Jewish culture, they were thinking that they could, in their minds, they could obey the law and declare themselves to be sinless and righteous until they came across Christ. Christ proved to them absolutely that they were all sinners. It didn't matter what kind of robes they wore or what they called themselves. They were all sinners and they were in need of the salvation that only the Son of God could provide for them. And he must provide the sacrifice himself by giving his blood on the cross. So now there's no excuse for their sin. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and all who will listen understand there is no excuse for their sin and only by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and the drawing power of the Father in heaven can they understand that they have no hope apart from Christ. It is Christ who took upon himself our sin. And in taking it upon himself, he took it to the cross and there he killed it, he destroyed it and it was put away in a grave and when he came out, he was the resurrected Christ. My sins went with him to the cross and my sins were buried with him in that sepulcher and the glorification of, my, of, of who I am, the fi my final glorification came out with him from the tomb in resurrection. So it's, it's such a simple gospel. You must come to the fact that you're a sinner and you cannot help yourself and you are doomed and damned and you will be cast into hell and you will die in your sins without a savior. There is one and only one savior who has died for you. The father himself has sent the son and the son has died on the cross. And that God, and this is in Romans 4, and that God, the Father, accepted the payment of God the Son is seen in the resurrection. It's acceptable payment as seen in the resurrection of Christ. And so this is the, this is the simple gospel message. You may mess up a lot in your theological persuasion. That's not the thing that saves you at this point. The thing that saves you is to understand that you are a sinner. You are part of a fallen race. And, and if you're not in Christ, you're in Adam. And if you're in Adam, you're going to die. Only in Christ can you be made alive. The last Adam, he will save you. The first Adam killed you. The last Adam saves you. 
and will raise you up. Romans 8 says the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead shall raise me up from the dead. That's how powerful Jesus is. Can reach through all generations across time into the human race until the last one of his own is finally saved. This is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. This is what we preach. And we have to tell people, you know, we're not any different from you. We're, we're sinners. But we came to acknowledge our sin. We came to recognize the fact that we're sinners and we're helpless and we need a savior to save us. We cannot save ourselves. But when people reject that, they have no excuse. For their sin, they will die in their sin. The one hating me hates my father. If I had not done the works among them that no other has done, they would not have, have had sin. However, now they have both seen and have hated both me and my father. How many times have we studied just in the Gospel of John that Christ was sent by the will of the Father. No miracle was ever performed but by the will, the direct will and instruction of the Father. And all of those miracles finally add up to the proof that this is God in the flesh. And he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to perform these miracles. So there's, there's no mistaking who he is. He even testified, he said, I and my father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. Powerful, powerful teaching. Very God, our very God. He became a man and did these things among them, which sealed the proof of his deity, that he is the son of God. And that if he called people to himself for salvation, they must respond or they would have no excuse. If I had not done the works among them that no other has done, they would not have had sin. However, now they have both seen and have hated both me and my father. You see, here's the deal. You cannot go to God except through his Christ, period. There's no, other, there's no religion. There's no campaign of works or behavior. There's no philosophy. There's no, the only way is Christ. He is the only way. And the orderly arrangement of the world has been to hate him and to work against him and his own and will continue to do so until it's finally all destroyed. So then... Having proven himself, and he came for a sign, his miracles were for a sign to the Jews that they would have to agree that this is God. No other but God could do these things. Then when he expresses that we can only be saved through him, that is the absolute truth. Of the gospel. Now, to reject that is to hate him and to hate his father. So you hate God, God, the creator God. 
And the world hates Christ for no reason. Now this is a, this is a Christ, Christ references Psalm 69 here. But this is that the word having been written in their law may be fulfilled. And this is what he quotes out of Psalm 69. They hated me without cause. In the Hebrew in the psalm is chanim, chanim. It means for no reason. They don't have a reason to hate me, Christ would say. Christ can say, I did everything and left nothing behind. I brought heaven to earth in the person of who I am. I performed miracles that only God could perform. I have explained to a fallen world that there is no hope apart from me, Christ would say. And the world hates him for no reason except that Satan is the God of this world. He hates Christ. And he hates anyone who is connected to Christ. He hates anyone who is chosen by Christ. He hates anyone who is called to Christ. And the persecution and destruction then begin. This happens, and I said it would be so in my word. They hated me for no reason. Well, now here are these 11 guys. They're already shaken, you know. Christ is going to go away, go to the Father. They can't go with him. And he's been expressing his love, and they know that he's been saying, I'm going to die, and my enemies are going to come, and going to nail me to the cross, and they're going to just mistreat me and do all this kind of stuff. Now, he's, now he says to them, and by the way, they're going to really mistreat you too because the world will hate you. When you emerge from the crisis of the cross, Roman soldiers are going to hunt you down. You're going to go into cultures that are deep-seated in other pagan religions and they'll persecute you. And if you read the book of martyrs, they, if, if, if those records are true, they, they died horrible deaths except for John who wrote the Revelation. How can we survive this and bear the fruit that remains? Remember earlier, we saw it last time, Christ said, you will bear fruit that continues. Well, how are we going to do that? There's 11 of us. We're very ordinary men. And you're going to leave us. We have no power. We have no standing in the world. How can we do what you said for us to do, which is namely go out and then bear that fruit that continues, that remains, that would go to the next generation, that would go to the next generation. How are we going to do this? Well, here it is. The Holy Spirit's coming. When the helper comes, parakletos, the one called alongside, helper, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes forth from the Father, he will testify concerning 
me. You will also testify because you are with me from the beginning. Here's the way it goes. They can't understand this now, not until after the day of Pentecost. And that, that follows 40 days of instruction from the resurrected Christ. So they can't understand this completely. And there are several things we could quote from Acts that makes us realize that they begin to get what Christ is saying. But here's what Christ promises. Christ is essentially saying, the, the Son of God, I am the presence of God with you today. But because I have chosen to come into a body and die on the cross, I can't be with you everywhere at all times, but the Spirit can. And it's still the presence of God. It's God, the Spirit, comes forth from the Father. And I will send him to you from the Father. He will testify of me. And you will testify of me because you're with me from the beginning. Okay, now here's the deal. We preach the gospel of Christ. How in the world can this gospel reach into the hearts of people? If you just stand back and look at it, a man was born of a virgin. She never knew a man, but she had a baby. Well, that sounds fantastic. Born of a virgin. He grew up and lived a sinless life. He never went where he shouldn't go, never said what he shouldn't say, never did anything that he shouldn't do. He was sinless. Never, ever sinned. He came from God. And then the powers of the day, the Roman government, Judaism, the religion of that era and that area, condemned him to sin as a criminal. He died as a criminal. He was found guilty. They nailed him to a cross. But on the third day, he got up. And then after the appointed time, he flew into heaven. <laughs> and he's there. And he's coming back. Just like he went away. Now, how are you going to get people to believe that? The only way people are going to believe that is by the touch of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God will testify to the truth. What was he called? The Spirit of truth. The Spirit of God will give an inward testimony while the preacher gives the outward testimony. And people will respond. How are we going into the world that's going to persecute us? What about this fruit that you said would remain? Don't worry about it. I'll send the helper. You'll have help unlike you ever thought. He'll help you. He'll give you courage. He will attest inwardly to what you were teaching and preaching outwardly. And people will be saved. The father will draw his own to himself. There will be an effect because he will testify concerning me and you will testify concerning me. What is this testimony? Christ is risen. Christ is the son of God. He came into this world to save 
sinners. By the power of his spirit, we are called then to admit that we are sinners, to confess our sin. To confess, that's a word that means to agree with. We agree with God what is said about who we are and what we are. We confess our sin and we call upon him because we are told whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the only way that we can, as a sinner, be brought out of the deadness of sin as dead people spiritually is by the power of God. And when we are awakened to the truth of who we are and who he is, that we are called to him and that we are saved, this is the power of God. It's, none of us can take any credit for anything. We do what we are compelled to do. We have to do it. We're supposed to do it. And there's another one who testifies. There's another witness to who Christ is. And he does it just right. He does it just right. I've told you before, in many years past, in, in preaching before people, most of whom were unsaved, and I knew it, and I was invited to preach the gospel, so many of them. And even through the invitation, many of them would laugh and giggle and they'd carry on and act like fools. But some were saved. How can you explain it? They all heard the same songs, heard the same sermon. The testimony of the Holy Spirit inside meets the testimony of the power of the word and people are saved. And so Christ says, don't worry about it because you're with me from the beginning. You watched me, you know who I am. You can testify of me. You saw the power that was exhibited you met my mother, who was the Virgin Mary, and you saw me, you will see me in my resurrection, and finally in my ascension. You know me, you were with me. And the power of the gospel, because of the helper, the Holy Spirit, has transferred to generation, from generation to generation. And it is as real to us today, those of us who are in Christ, it is as real to us as it was to those apostles who were there with him. The Holy Spirit of God makes it that real to us. Convinced and convicted of God and his Christ, the absolute truth coming from the spirit of truth and salvation that only God can give. And we must carry this message to all who will hear because God will save some of them. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came into this world to save sinners. I've told you already, only God can enlighten us to this, that we should admit that we are sinners and believe in Christ as the only Savior. Call upon him. If you're here today without Christ, you don't have to leave that way as God may be calling you today. As you exit this room, this sanctuary right across the hall, you'll see deacons and their wives standing in the doorway of a couple of rooms there. Just step into those rooms with them and say, I want you to pray with me. I, I want to be saved. They'll speak to you and they'll pray with you.
Maybe you're here, you're already a Christian and you want to come and be a part of Shiloh. As well, step into that room with those deacons and their wives and they'll speak to you about that and pray with you. But for right now, let's all prayerfully stand all over this room.